The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County. Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about sex education and love, and that's always a fun thing to talk about. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, but first of all, he is the author of this book called Sex Education for Adults. Secrets to Amazing Sex and Happily Ever After 2 by John Wilder. Let me tell you a little bit about John. John has um, a BA with a double major in Bible psych- uh, theology and psychology, and that enabled him to really blend everything, great psychology with all sorts of wonderful things about spirituality. He believes in body, mind, spirit, just really being uh, integrated, which we always talk about, we believe in also. He went to grad school for clinical psychology and dropped out because he really disagreed with what they were teaching. And um, in fact, he tells people if they really value their marriage, he tells them to avoid marriage counselors like the plague. And he says the reason is, is that you get zero instruction in sexuality. And he says the three big things that couples fight about, which we can talk about, are money, sex, and kids. And there's some other things, too, that I see as a divorce uh, mediator myself. Um, and, and he's right. He also talks about the fact that we really don't get uh, – instruction in conflict resolution skills. And that's one of the things that he believes strongly in. And you know, I've been teaching that for many, many years. And so um, he has done uh, marriage coaching for 30 years, but now he's really wants to take his book on the road and also do mass seminars to help couples um, to to really solve their marriages. And he'd rather do it than just one at a time. He says, it's like spitting into the ocean. So you can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, but also at his website, happilyeveraftersolutions.com. So, John, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, good morning. I hope you Glad do. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really resonate with a lot of the things that you say in your book and a lot of the, you know, I've... I've seen it uh, from both sides, from being an attorney mediator for 33 years and dealing with people in divorce and having 21 couples get back together uh, in my divorce mediation, which is pretty amazing. You would never get that in litigation. Um, But also, you know, I went through my own divorce and now I'm with my wonderful husband for 30 years and we practice um, what I preach all the time. So, uh, it's it's exciting when other people are on the same wavelength and same path, so I was excited to interview you. So, you know, let's talk about why you say marriage counselors are the leading cause of divorce. 
Well, because they're completely inept, they're completely uh, untrained to do actual marriage counseling. Um, one of the biggest problems in marriage is, is lousy sex. And the problem is that there is no school for sex for a man to teach a man how to get his wife great sex with multiple orgasms. He's still locked into that adolescent wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, roll over and go to sleep. And according to McKinsey stats, 72%, 72% of all married women over the age of 30 have their husbands on a starvation diet of sex once a week or less. Now, you know a guy in his 30s requires sexual release three to five times a week. What happens then is he's, he's reduced to masturbating to porn. She's reduced to masturbating to either porn because more and more women are using porn for masturbation or the old standby romance novels but they're not having sex with each other, which was what God intended. And he's angry because he's being sexually starved. She's angry because he's not satisfying her needs, and yet most women won't tell him what she wants from him, and so he's clueless. Uh, and so it's kind of a circular firing squad, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And then what I see is women who've been married to um, to men like in their, you know, maybe 25, 30 years, Sometimes it changes because the the men no longer have that sex drive, and then women no longer are worried about getting pregnant. So then they're ready to really let go and have fun. And then the men, you know, their testosterone is reduced, and then we've got the we've got the opposite situation going on. So you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 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 uh, it can be a challenge. You know, I I kind of agree with you in terms of what you know, about um, marriage counselors who don't work like the whole body, mind, spirit thing. They maybe just talk about, you know, how they're raising the kids or how they're speaking to each other. I noticed myself uh, when I was going through my divorce, we went to um, a marriage counselor who I thought was really very good. You know, I he was really talking about why we felt the way we felt and then trying to set up some behavioral modifications that that really were helpful. We still got a divorce, but at least we got to see what our own issues were. So at least for me, it helped me when I met my husband now that I've been with 30 years that I kind of knew what were my issues. And um, so, you know, I think when people don't feel loved or respected, um, they don't want to have sex with the other person. You know, I mean, I've seen that where a woman will say, well, you know what? I don't want to be with him because he's so disrespectful to me. He talks down to me and I don't want to be with him because he's not nice to me. And then the, you know, the men want to have sex outside the marriage because they feel like they're never respected either. So don't you think respect and, and kindness to each other has a lot to do with whether people want to have sex with each other? Well, yeah, but I, I see it not as a primary reason, but a secondary reason. The, the lack of respect comes over time due to frustration and, and the inability to resolve the problem. Most couples, when they get married, you know, they are respectful with each other and, and treat each other well. But as time goes on, problems start cropping up and mainly problems in the bedroom. And, and so both people in the couple are frustrated and some are more vocal, vocally abusive because they're resentful. Right, right. Resentment and, you know, what I see in terms of when people come to me, 
Um, they're, they're really, you know, they come to me and they've been disrespectful to each other. They have not been really loving to each other. So when you talk about sex, sex is kind of like the glue that seems to keep people, you know, connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sex is the glue that glues marriages together. If you're having a good sex life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important. Sadly, sadly, the church is never teach all the sex-positive messages from the Bible. They teach the sex-shaming messages. Uh, would you believe there's an actual commandment in the Bible to have a great sex life? But you're never going to hear that in church. And they teach little girls, sex is bad, dirty, or wrong, and good girls don't do it. Right. Well, by the time the woman is a young woman and ready to embrace her sexuality, her head is filled with all these negative uh, teachings from the church, and I can say this as an ex-Baptist minister, uh, <laughs> that we're the biggest offenders at causing women problems with their own sexuality because of all the negative teaching. Right. They also they also tell couples, listen, you have to wait to get married before you have sex. There is no place in the Bible that says that. In fact, there's a place in, in, in the Bible that says if a man finds an unmarried woman and persuades her to have sex with him, then he's obligated to endow her to be his wife. So the sin is not having the sex before marriage. The sin is having the sex and not getting married at some future point. And, and, but, but they change what the Bible says to fit their own personal uh, morality. Yeah. And I say it's immorality because they're causing people to stumble because they're teaching them it's a sin when it clearly is not. And, and so the church is as much a problem as anybody else and that and lousy marriage counselors, it, it, it's a wonder we don't have a higher divorce rate than we even have. And we're the second highest on the planet, right behind communist Russia, by the way. Really? Interesting that yeah, it's man. communist Russia. I would have thought that it was Japan. I was just reading, actually, today uh, some article and about how so many men in Tokyo are getting these um, blow-up dolls. They're not even blow-up dolls. They're rubber dolls. They're really looking very, very real. They cost like six to eight to $10,000. And um, they're, they're having sex with these, blow- these dolls, not blow-up dolls. They're real rubber dolls, and they're yeah. life-size. And they're doing that because um, in their society that the women are not interested in sex in the same way that men are. And so they're seeing this it's it's a huge issue of these guys are actually putting these dolls um and bringing them to the movies and doing things with them. it was the most bizarre thing and they showed pictures of them doing that so i was surprised to hear that it wasn't japan i was going to ask you which is the country that uh, i wonder why it is like that in russia what do you think well because it's a dictatorial society and the state controls everything and and that causes a lot of frustration systemically and um Hmm. you know when you have a totalitarian regime people are not happy i got to i I was stationed in berlin germany uh back in in the 70s and i got to go over to communist east berlin and and the people were just miserable there and one of the things they said is they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work yeah yeah, I wonder what it's like in North Korea too, you know, and right. and it's yeah, it's it, really unfortunate. It, it, they're they're starving, not only starving sexually, but starving yeah. physically. Yeah. So, what do you think, though? I, I'm noticing the younger generation as I look at the millennials and everything, and I think that um, they're they're a lot of them are really turning their back on religion 
and not buying yep. into that. And yep. they're and they're living together and they're not thinking it's quote living in sin. They're living yep. together to see if that's really the right person for them. I know my daughter who's 33 now, she was living with her boyfriend and and you know, and then decided that it wasn't going to be a healthy relationship because of the communications that they had and but um but I think so many people now, so many young people are living together to see if it's really going to work. And I don't think that they have the same kind of a concern about um, sex being bad as like I did when I grew up. You know, I graduated in 1970 from, you know, university as an undergrad. And, and I think that generation, we were already, you know, that was the sexual revolution. So I think things are changing. Don't you think they are with the young people? Well, yes, they are. But here's the problem. Um, it's not so much uh, trying it out. It's because they've seen all their parents and their friends' parents getting divorced, and they're terrified of getting married and getting divorced. And so they just choose an alternative, and we'll just live together and without getting married, mm. um, which is problematic as well because there is no permanency to the relationship. You can just move out tomorrow. Um, and, and when you have children, it's okay if it's just the two of you, but if you have children, then it's yeah. problematic because uh, when a woman leaves with kids in tow and she finds a new boyfriend, that boyfriend has no respect for, for her children because the Bible talks about lacking natural affection. Well, there is no natural affection. He's just, you know, a new boyfriend, and he's got to tolerate her kids, and so... A lot of guys will sexually abuse um, her children. Yeah. I know that that does happen. I, I think it's not always. Um, I I would never marry someone who wasn't good to my kids from my first marriage, and that was like a high priority when I was looking for things. So, you know, I was pretty cognizant of it and mindful of it. So I'm very, very fortunate that my kids, uh, who are now grown, but they were young, when I was with Lloyd in the beginning, but they loved him and he loved them and he would always be very good to them. So I think, I think the women or the men who choose someone who's not nice to their kids is at fault. You know, my, my ex, um, doesn't, my kids even now as adults can't go into his house because of his new wife, his Mm. fourth wife. But, (laughs) but I have to tell you that, you know, I think it, is the responsibility of the parent to make sure that she gets involved and marries a person who is going to be loving and kind and respectful and not hurt her children. So, you know, I take Here's the problem with that. Let me me just take a different tack here. About 4% of the population in our country are sociopaths, meaning they have no conscience, no guilt, no remorse, and they're completely narcissistic. Usually these people, these guys are are pretty highly intelligent and they can fake being good for a period of time and they woo this woman um, because he knows that she's she's emotionally bruised and so he knows how to groom her and butter her up and make her feel safe and secure when when in fact what he's targeting women who have young teen daughters because he wants to have sex with the mom and the daughters as well and he never vocalizes that to the mom, she finds out much later. And uh, uh, oftentimes the mom doesn't call the cops, and that poor young girl is left with 
the very clear message that she's basically worthless, which is almost as devastating as the rates themselves. Uh, there's been so many stories that I've heard over time that you can't unhear. Right. I, I interviewed a woman who published a book after her father died. They had seven kids in the family, both boys and girls, and he raped all of them. Yeah. And if, if a kid came over to visit, he would rape the, the kid who was there visiting. Uh, and he kept him quiet because he shot one of his daughters in the head with a glancing blow with a pistol and said, all right, I'm just showing you this in case you ever decide you're going to rat on me. I'm going to kill all of you. And they believed him. Yeah. And so she didn't write the book until after he died. But that's way more common than you realize when you consider 4% of the population are sociopaths. That's several million men out there. Right, right. And I think we have to empower women as well as men not to be with sociopaths. I mean, I, I have a couple right now where the wife is, is really kind of like a sociopath. So, you the know. Pro- the problem is, is they don't have the, the intellectual, intellectual education with which to right. tart and to figure out that these guys are sociopaths because they're very good at playing playing at it, yeah. not actually living it, but it, it's just a big con that they're pulling on the woman. Yeah. Well, I this is like I, you know, how I feel about it is it's time to empower women. And I think we see with the Me Too uh, generation where they're not going to take it anymore. They're not going to take the kind of sexual abuse or sexual innuendos, whatever. I remember many years ago when I was much younger I and I was going through my divorce from my first husband, um, I was working for a law firm and the senior partner called me in and said, you know, I, I'm sorry, I hear you're going through a divorce and, um, you know, I'm here for you. And I said, how nice, you know, and then he said, no, I'm here for you. You know, I know a lot of women going through divorce, they need sex and they, you know, they need to have that. So I'm here for you. And I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty assertive and uh, I'm not aggressive. I just said, I'm really uncomfortable with the way you're talking to me. You know, that's sexual harassment. And I don't want to ever hear anything like that again from you. And he never did. But not many women know how to watch boundaries like that. They just are afraid exactly. they're going to get fired. And and that's what with this whole Me Too movement is about women being empowered to say, no, this isn't the way you treat me with respect. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I do see a change. But let me ask you this question. You know, you also say that insurance companies share the blame for divorce. Why do you say that? Oh, absolutely. It's guaranteed failure. The reason is, is because they will only reimburse the clinician for one hour once a week, which is guaranteed failure. Mm. If you went to the, the, the doctor and the doctor says, hey, Marie, you got strep throat. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give you a little bit of antibiotic this week. You come back next week. We're going to give you a little bit more. And, you know, 24, 28 weeks, we're going to have that strep throat all cleared up for you. You would be dead before you were cured. Most marriages die for the same reason. If they need marriage counseling, they need a lot in a short period of time, just like antibiotics. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Because so, here's, the, here's yeah. the situation. Most couples give up and discuss long before their insurance benefits run out. Right. Right, right. So, you know, let's talk a little bit, but, you know, there's other questions I have, but let's kind of go to some of the solutions about what you think uh, is the solution to all of this, you know, 
inability to connect and then for people to not have sex and not have that glue and kind of fall apart and disconnect and then end up in divorce and all the horrible things and costs that are uh, associated with divorce. So what are some solutions that you see? Well, I, I talk in very simple con- concepts. I don't talk in psychobabble. I, I, I talk in two, two concepts, e- either self-defeating behavior or a success strategy to replace it with. Now, a self-defeating behavior, you keep doing the same thing and you keep defeating yourself. Why in the world would you want to defeat yourself? And then I I, I could show you a success strategy to replace that with. I can't make you do it, but if you embrace it, you, you'll stop defeating yourself. And the other concept that I talk about is the only way, the absolute only way that a marriage is going to work as if you're in teamwork. You have must protect the team at all costs, which involves speaking to each other respectfully instead of yelling and screaming at each other and saying hateful, hurtful things to each other. You have to come to the agreement that if you have a difference of opinion, um, I tell people, in what way can we resolve this? And then you brainstorm possible solutions and discuss the solutions that until you come up with one that you can both agree with, because unless you protect that, that team, it, it's going to fail. And, and at the beginning of the seminar, I have four couples volunteer come up on stage, and, and I ask the guys, how many of you guys have pickup trucks in your household? Probably half of them do. And I said there was a pickup truck in the old, old West times. It was a flatbed wagon pulled by a team of horses in it. And, in fact, uh, a team of horses in some instances can actually be better than a pickup truck. For example, if you're in a mud bog, right. those horses can pull that wagon right out of there where all you're going to do is slip your tires in the mud. Uh, but then I, 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 I get each couple hooked to the double tree, which is the thing that they hitch them to to pull the wagon. And the first couple I say, listen, all I want you two guys to do is butt shoulders together. Now, once they do that for about 15 seconds, I said, you're not moving the wagon forward, are you? No. Second couple, I said, all right, I want you to pull polar opposite to each other. You're not moving that wagon, are you? No. Third couple, I tell the husband, I want you to pull. Wife, I want you to sit down on your butt and just hang on for dear life. Well, he can pull it, but not very well, not very fast. And the fourth couple, I say, listen, I want you guys to pull in teamwork. And here's the in- interesting thing about a team of horses. One horse by itself, on average, can pull 3,000 pounds, so you would think logically that two horses could pull 6,000 pounds, but that's not true. Two horses pulling in teamwork can actually pull 9,000 pounds because they're working in teamwork, and that just represents the only way a marriage is going to work is if you preserve that team at all costs. Right. So this morning, we're speaking with John Wilder, who is the author of Sex Education for Adults, Secrets to Amazing Sex, and Happily Ever After 2. And his website is happilyeveraftersolutions.com. So, you know, when we're talking about um, teamwork, which I think is, is so important, that um, when you first fall in love, you know, you feel like you're together, you're connected, maybe connected at the hip, you know, you're really connected, you feel like you're a team, you feel like you're in unity, everything feels so great, all the 
all the oxytocin and all those warm and loving feelings and juices and chemicals are flowing in your body. And then, you know, then you get and you have kids and you have problems and you have money issues, you have all these other things. Um, and then people blame each other. To me, I, I think blame and guilt are probably the the biggest issues that people come to me because I hear them blaming them. They're still blaming each other by the time they come to my office and they're ready for divorce. Yeah, it's very corrosive. Yeah. So when you talk about, well, you got to be in a team, what happens is if you get mad at your spouse, there's an automatic reaction in your brain, your fight, yep. flight, and f- freeze and your amygdala, which is, you know, that primitive part of the brain that has to react to survive, that kicks in and the emotions come out and you say something like, you bitch or you idiot, uh, or, you know, you start with the blaming. So it's kind of tough when that emotion is automatic. What is your approach to when that fight, flight, freeze kicks in? When someone says something to you that interrupts that teamwork, what do you do to get them back on that teamwork? Because that's something, those emotions are not controllable. Only after they come about can you deal with them. That's an excellent question. I tell couples, listen, if if the screaming starts and say, listen, I don't deserve to be screamed at. Uh, you need to lower your voice. And if they refuse to lower your voice, I say, obviously you're upset, so I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave for a couple hours and come back and let you calm down a little bit, and then we can sit down and discuss it. When you come back, if the screaming resumes, you say, okay, clearly you're not over it yet. I'm going to leave again until you have time to calm down and you can talk with me rationally about it. And you just keep doing that until they finally agree to sit down and talk to you respectfully and brainstorm possible solutions. Because you can't fight when, when only one person is there. Yeah, the, the challenge is when someone says something to you that is screaming at you, there's that immediate need by many people that are not as enlightened as you or not as you know mindful or conscious as you to automatically defend. And I see that all the time. Someone will say, I'll say to them, okay, let's not respond. Let's, let's not react Let's take a breath. Let's respond. You know, well, here's, here's where the Bible comes in. The Bible says a soft answer turns away anger. Now, if you were in a knockdown, drag out, screaming fight with your first husband, if you spoke to him in a gentle, soft, quiet voice, within about 30 seconds, he's realized, whoa, 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 what's going on here? I'm screaming at her, and she's talking to me in a soft, gentle voice. He's going to realize that he's, being, he's showing himself to be a complete jerk, and he doesn't want to be considered a jerk and so he automatically reduces his voice and if that doesn't work you simply leave the premises and give him a cooling off period and they at some point they're going to have to give up and actually talk to you in a respectful tone of voice and i tell women so many women will say f you in anger but won't say f me in passion uh f you is the ultimate i hate you the conversion the f me and and passion is the ultimate i love you but Women don't do that for their guys. They they only say the hateful things. So that's another problem. But yeah. again, a soft answer automatically gets per- people to quiet down. Yeah, and that makes, I mean, I, I understand that, and that makes a lot of sense. It's just that some people have so much trouble with that soft answer when they're being attacked. You know, well, then, you, then you leave saying, listen, 
you're obviously upset. I'm going to leave for a couple hours and let you cool off, and I'll come back, and then we can sit down and discuss possible solutions. Right. You come back a couple hours later, and they're still screaming, okay, obviously you're not over it yet. I'm going to go again and come back a while later, and when you're ready to discuss possible solutions, then I'll be glad to sit down and chat with you. Yeah. and and You I, don't give them a choice. Yeah. And and that's the challenge is that the people that um, should be saying, look, I'm not going to be part of this right now. I'm going to leave right now. When you're ready, we can talk. I remember doing that when my ex-husband used to call me and scream at me on the phone. And my husband now would say, just tell him to go to hell. And I go, no, that's exactly what he wants me to do. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I would say, hey, you know, I'm happy to talk with you, but I'm not going to talk when... I'm getting screamed at, so I'm going to get off the phone right now. But that took a lot for me to do that, and I'm pretty educated. You know, I have a yeah, master's doesn't degree. Doesn't it feel empowering? It is empowering. Way? It is empowering, but it's it's not easy is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I know that it took a lot for me, and I know for my clients that I watch for 33 years, it takes a lot. So as the mediator, um, when this but starts— that's the only thing that works. Well, the other thing that works is if you have a good counselor or a good mediator <laughs> that will, I have a, a little trick that I do in my, in, in my programs is that what I do is I have an Asian bell. And when that bell rings, everybody stops. If someone starts to accuse, I immediately ring the bell. No one's allowed to talk until the music stops. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's what Damn I do. lost dog. Yeah. But I have to tell you, believe it or not, we are out of time. I can't believe how quickly this went. So I just want to give the name of your book, Sex Education for Adults, Secrets to Amazing Sex and Happily Ever After 2. And you can go to his website, happilyeveraftersolutions.com. So thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk again, okay? Great. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. On the web, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.